So during this time of Eastertide, this time that is from Easter through Pentecost, which is June 5th, one of the things that I've been thinking about is finding out where our spiritual gifts lie, what it is that we're created with. Just like I was talking with the kids today, what is the gift that you have to share in this world? Where are you being called by God to share who you are? I love the scripture that we have today. It was written by Paul, and it dates back to um, the town of Corinth. And if you've ever heard a preacher or myself speak about that book of Corinthians, we recognize that it was written to a group that was a church that at first, when Paul started it, really came together and it began to grow and flourish in this very diverse and beautiful town of Corinth. But something happened. As they continued to grow, as they continued to gain more folks, as they continued to to develop as a church, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, they began to argue. (laughs) Because we never devolve into anything like that, do we? But they began to argue and fight, and they, they looked at some people and they said, well, you're not as good as these other people. And so Paul got wind of it, and he was away. And it hurt. It broke his heart. Because these were not just church members. These were people that he loved. And so he wrote him this letter. And what we come to understand is 1 Corinthians. Now, we don't know if it's the first one or not. Scholars say that there was probably some back and forth. But this is the letter that meant so much to them. And he gives us this image of the body of Christ and where we are. One of the things that I love about being a pastor in a congregation like Pond that's as rich and diverse as it is, is that I get a chance to have conversations with each of you, and some of you have had experiences that I haven't had or that have insight that I don't, which is beautiful because this is the thing. I'll let you in on a tiny little secret. I don't know it all. I know, I know, I know. But what's fun, though, is that every now and then, over a a cup of coffee at parties or in the office or someplace, I get to have some great conversations. And a little while back, uh, Bill and I were standing around and just sharing a cup of coffee, and we started talking about some of this stuff, and we're like, I want to share this conversation with you all. And so Bill and I talked about it and thought, I'd like for you guys to join us today If you brought your cup of coffee, cheers to you. If not, um, but we wanted to involve you all in a little bit of a conversation about how it is that we as the church can seek to find our own callings. And so I'd like to introduce, you guys know Bill, but this guy has a lot of experience. Now what's funny... <laughs> What's funny is that Bill and I actually met doing the real ministry as youth ministers years and years ago, back in the 90s, back when I was a young whippersnapper. And, um, and, um, and it's interesting, I was in Shelbyville and Bill was down in Frankfurt. And he used to talk about this place called Princeton Theological Seminary that he would go for the youth ministry forums. And interesting enough, it was 
once I heard that, I was like, one of these days when I get an expense account, I'm going. And uh, years and years and years later, I got a chance to go and it changed everything. You went to the big church and got all the money. That's I right. Did, well, you know how it is. So, uh, but, um, so Bill, I have some questions. First and foremost, now that I've got you up here, what body part would you be? And I don't want the middle school boy answer. <laughs> well, uh, kind of as a background to that, um, the way I was able to identify what part I was of the church was going through a process we called at Frankfurt first at that time, SHAPE. And it was a workbook, but it looked closer like that, okay. Uh, and it was called SHAPE, and it was a, a workbook that you worked through that we developed. Actually, a ministry team developed it, and I was just a part of that team. And, um, and it looked at your spiritual gifts, your heart or your passion, your aptitude, your personality by using a Myers-Briggs, and your experience. And then you had a big conversation around all that. Well, as I began to identify, I took the little spiritual gift inventory we had initially, which was this little booklet. And uh, it was a wonderful experience because I was able to put in my little primary and secondary gifts on the back and then begin to talk about that. But we didn't have enough questions, so we had developed that workbook. But my body part uh, came out to be that I had um, I had the spiritual gift of administration and the spiritual gift of discernment and the spiritual gift of giving. So I had like three kind of primary gifts that I worked out of. And because of that, I began to do my ministry through those focuses. And, and I was really began to be more empowered by what I was doing and more satisfied and joyful and energized, and uh, as Margaret will tell you, uh, I worked a lot of hours <laughs> trying to get things to happen in the life of the church that time, but that, that's the body parts, I would say, would be the eyes and the hands, uh, and, uh, and the sermon is, is a kind of fits with my personality and all that other stuff, so that's kind of what I would say would be the parts. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's... I think, it, you know, I love what you had to say about the fact that we, um, once we find what it is that's inside of us, what, mm -hmm. we, what it is that we do well, yeah. um, that, you know, it energizes us. I mean, yes, I think that, yes. um, I you know, I think about just even on a basic level in my household, I'm the savory cook in the family. Like if it comes for Good. dinner, yeah. I'm the one who cooks kind of the dinner stuff, but Melissa's the baker. Like oh, she's yeah. the one uh -huh. who makes the cookies and, mm -hmm. and the, and the cakes and the things like that. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm always kind of tinkering and I never kind of, I never do the same recipe twice. I don't know if any of you have that, but once I, once I kind of realized that, then it freed me up to understand that I didn't have to make cakes like her yeah. and she didn't have to mess around with trying to make a sauce or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. But if it, if she has the recipe in front of her, so, you know, when, when you, you know, your churches went through yeah, this, they yeah. had this idea of trying to figure out what it was that they were good at, what body part they were, where they could share that. How did that change the church? Well, uh, that's, that's a neat thing because I think as you talked about your cooking metaphor, it began to, people began to find the niches they felt most comfortable and called, and that's the key thing, they felt called. They, they finally figured it out that God was calling them, not just the pastors, but the whole congregation were pastors and ministers. 
and they began to find little pieces and parts that they could fit into and do do well and feel like that they had been successful in that journey and then move on to the next things they were called to do like i said this ministry team put this booklet together uh we began to do contemporary worship we did small groups i did a leadership thing with small groups to help people learn how to lead small groups and there was one lady that came up to me years later her name was joanne and she was very unassuming older person and in this group that we were doing training for small groups and she came to me and told me when I was visiting Frankfurt first years later, and said, you changed my life. Uh, and she is still leading a small group after 20 something years later. So uh, and, and and enjoying it and uh, and finding great satisfaction in what she found her place that God had called her to do. And I would have never assumed that looking out in the congregation that, that that's what she would be doing but that's what she did others in other places and other congregations found uh found their joy in their place too but that that's kind of how it began to evolve and and i and i can say uh new ministries began to spring up i know margaret was part of a small group that was called the butterflies and it was a bunch of ladies that got together and did the small group process and uh and they they went on retreats together and uh, they just they do the workbook together and they did all kinds of things in serving and two of those ladies ended up doing a ministry with the agent at one of the um, care facilities and a, and a memory group and they weren't trained to do that but they went through some training to get to do that and and they did a memory group with the with the with the seniors at the at that nursing home facility so it, it's just those kinds of things that begin to, to happen in the congregation well, it's, it's funny you mentioned those kind of things because um, my sister-in-law, who was here on Easter Sunday, maybe you, some of you got a chance to meet her, um, years and years ago, she was a middle school um, math teacher, and that's what she went to school for, and she taught, and she loved working with the kids. She had a great ability to help kind of translate what it was that um, she was teaching to the kids to make it real for them. But then in kind of the back of her mind, she actually enjoyed kind of getting out and being active. She played sports in the past. And so with her church, she started this thing called a running group. And it was they would meet on Saturday mornings and they um, and it was they would just come and they would run along one of the green ways and they would have prayer and and um, just started. And, and there were two, three, four, five people. And then they just invited friends that they knew to do that. And in fact, when I was going through a really difficult time, I went down to visit them and she said, you got to come out and run with our running group. And I was like, well, okay. And so I went out and ran with them. So it was a beautiful experience because the people were just kind and we ran together and had this thing in common and did this prayer and they've kept in touch with me since. But what's fascinating is she left teaching a few years ago and opened up her own gym. Wow. And so, um, and now she has her own kind of CrossFit gym. She's trained in, in helping others to, to do that. And so what it was is there was that peace inside of her that, you know, she was a teacher, but what she found was that deep spiritual gift of being able to teach others about health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And now she has this, um, this gym in which her faith is lived out every single day. And so, you know, I think that's what's interesting is, is that we sometimes get locked into something and we think, well, this is what I do over here, yeah. you know, and this is, this is my gift that I have over here. But when I go into church, 
That's when I sit in the pews and I don't say anything and I just keep my head low and maybe the minister won't ask me to do something, you know. So, <laughs> but how does that mean, you know, like you were saying, is there something that changes that? Did you experience that for you or for somebody else? Well, uh, I, I think the process for people it starts with, with, uh, with prayer. I mean, you have to have some time uh, where you're engaging in prayer and uh, your spiritual life and, uh, uh, and that you realize that that, uh, that conversation is an ongoing conversation with God and you and how, how God can really move and change your life and allowing that to begin to occur, kind of percolate. Yeah, it's not the drip coffee maker, it's the percolator. And, uh, and so, I do remember what that is, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have that you, at Starbucks. You see, you see me here with my, all my written notes here, and you're up there with your iPad, so, you know, I, I'm old school, you're new. Okay, anyway, um, uh, and, and that process, and then, then beginning to do something like looking at what God's got in store for you, like what are your gifts? What, would, wouldn't you like to know that? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have some kind of a, a identification of what those gifts are? I, it really, really can change your life when you do that. And then have that conversation with other folks, not just yourself, you know, or not just with your prayer life, but with other folks and have that conversation in a small group and, and begin to share and open up. One of the most powerful things that I think I've ever done in ministry that has nothing to do with the shape stuff, but it was when we began to write down our faith stories and then share them with each other. It was a most powerful thing to hear each person share their journey of faith through their life up to that point. It is amazing what happened in those groups when people did that. And every time we did that, I made them take their shoes off because they were on holy ground because that's where God had engaged them in their life. And sometimes that where, they, where they had no idea what God was, had in store for them, where they were very separated from God, those were times when they began to talk about how they began to grow and experience God in new ways and began to do ministry as a result of it when they were called. So, so those things kind of mixed together, I can say, can empower people to identify and what's we're supposed to do from the Matthew chapter where it says, go into all the world. And the word is go. You can't just sit. I don't care what age you are. You just cannot sit. You've got to go. You've got to go with this message that God has given you. And I think when you really know where you are and how you are related to God and what unique gifts God has given to each of you, to do ministry, then man, it, it just breaks things open and, and things begin to happen in congregations and, um, and people begin to do the things that they find greatest joy and celebration. And then the worship service becomes a celebration. It's a celebration. It's not something that we come and that's what we do only. It's a celebration of what we've been able to do in God's name. And then go from that celebration. How, so now that you're outside of the church, mm -hmm. you know, you, 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 you've retired, put, put the big <laughs> yeah, quote on yeah, it, because yeah. <laughs> we do pull him in every now and then to preach or to speak. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But yeah. How, how do you find specific ways to kind of practice that still? Because 
I recognize that there are some that are out there that would be like, well, I did the Myers-Briggs. I've already d- figured out what I'm supposed to do yeah, with what's life. what's your personality? You know, and all this. Yeah. But, and some people are like, well, you know, I'm in my... I'm in my 50s now. Shouldn't I know what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, or 60s or 70s? How do you continually find ways to practice re-engaging, thinking about that, you know, and, 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 and have you learned anything even from stepping away from the church? Well, you know, the, from- the best thing that happened was the day after I retired. <laughs> and I said, I don't have to do anything or go anywhere or do anything. I, now what am I going to do? So... Um, besides just hobbies and things like that. And, and what I found was with the leadership skills and the things that I've been able to do in the life of the church, I've been able to take that and plant that in other, other places. One of the things, I'm a ham radio operator. That's something I did when I retired. But now I'm engaged with all these guys and some gals, but mostly guys, older guys. And, uh, and, and they're doing this hobby, but... Uh, what I share and do with them, come alongside them and care for them and talk to them. Uh, one of my best friends is going through some uh, health problems right now. And, uh, and you know, men don't tend to open up very much and talk about things. And, and just to listen, uh, to care, uh, and uh, those, those kinds of things. And uh, just recently, I got back from a trip with my stepson, Richard, from going out west. He had never done this camping trip with Mr. Bill thing, you know, <laughs> so, uh, cause I'm an organizer. That's part of my administration. And he's, he's not that way at all. <laughs> and, uh, to spend time with him in the Southwest and the desert and camping and, uh, just sharing time with people became uh, a more important priority, uh, in my life, uh, than, than necessarily preaching or doing all those other things that pastors normally do. Uh, but that, and then uh, I think it's supporting this church is very important too. Uh, I'm glad that Margaret and I have found our place here, and she's doing a great ministry up there with the team that she's put together. I'm speaking of teams and ministry, people that don't know anything about computers or anything else, and we're up there running cameras and trying to do Zoom stuff. There are Zoom experts. Yeah, they're experts now. Exactly. But, you know, but they they put the team together and they offer their time and. Uh, and talents and all that stuff to do that kind of thing. That, that's kind of fun. Just wherever I can play a part and help out, that's, that's where I'll be. Well, I, I appreciate you coming and sharing, and sharing these things. And um, one of the things that I've tried to do is to, to be that ear that I need to be in, in hearing some of this stuff. So the next few weeks, we're going to do some stuff and invite you to think about and to engage in things um, around our spiritual gifts. And so today, I'd like for you to practice that. Now, um, what I'd like for you to do here for the next about three to four minutes is I'd like for you just to turn to a few folks that are right around you and share with them what body part you feel like you're embracing today. Because what I love about also, Bill, is that in, in quintessential ministerial fashion, you gave us three body parts. You did not actually come down to one. And I think I did the exact same thing with the three kids. Three-point sermon. Is know, that's it. Yeah, it must be. So you can't nail down a minister. So, but uh, if you if just turn around to who you're around and sit in, and if you share what one of the body parts that you feel that you, can, that you can name with each other for just a couple minutes, 
and risk doing that. And just because when you get a chance to understand who you're sitting around and what their gifts are, it can really bring a light to us. And we recognize that just like those Corinthians back then, that we are unified around Jesus and Jesus and God's love for us, and that you have been blessed with incredible gifts. This church has always done amazing things, and will continue to do that, especially when we draw upon those gifts. So thanks, Bill. Well, one other thing I wanted to yeah. say, you know, you know sure. you know, coattail this a little bit. Uh, Ken and I were talking about this. For every new generation that's coming along, there's less participation in the life of the church. And it's going to get down to zero. And it's getting close to that right now. I mean, we're down like 12, 10% of the people involved in the new generations are being part of the life of the church. And what, it, what I think is happening is uh, they're opting out because it's not speaking to them. But what if we ask the question of, where do you think God is calling you? And uh, how is God calling you? And begin to engage people that way. I think some really neat things can begin to happen with younger generations. Because you sit up there and look down on this congregation, you see people, a lot of people with a lot of this care color, and some who may have that but don't want anybody to know it. So, uh, but I think what this question will be for you, uh, you can begin this conversation today, but let's don't stop there. Let's keep this conversation going, and let's do some of the things that can get us to the answers even more fully than you might have this morning. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.